as you know, we are celebrating Communion Sunday this morning. Uh, it's, uh, we're dedicating this whole service to communion and what that means. And, we're, and uh, we haven't done this since I've been here, uh, and, and so I felt it was definitely time uh, to do it. And so we're, we're, again, we're celebrating this whole service is to communion. Now, now uh, as anybody that knows me, and I've said this before, and some of you have heard me say it, I love the holidays. I love this time of year. Like the, the kickoff of the fall festival, that was just the beginning, and that was the, the first day of the best time of year. And, and, you know, I don't know about you, but I have family traditions and things that we do. Uh, one of the things that we do at home is, is I have this, this uh, spike. My, my stepmom gave it to me. It it's, it's represents the nail that crucified Christ. And uh, we, we put that on our tree to remember what the real meaning is. Uh, so have, I'm, I'm from a German background, and, and we have a little pickle that we hide, and, and we do a little tradition with the, the Christmas pickle. I know it sounds weird, but maybe we're German, we're kind of weird. But uh, there's all kinds of traditions we do. I bet you if we talked, and we walked around here, and we talked to each one of you, you probably have some different traditions you do as a family, or, or, or just things, you know, like we were joking around about, about uh, traditions like, like, you know, the Cubs won the World Series, right? And, you know, sometimes, you know, when, the, when the, maybe a sports team plays, you put on certain socks or, or a certain hat, or, or you eat certain things, or you watch the game at a certain place, and that's kind of like this tradition that you do. Now, traditions are something that, that are around the world, so, you know, different cultures and different places have these traditions and all kinds of different stuff. And, uh, and so I wanted to share a couple of them with you. One of them is in Japan, when we, think of, when we think of Christmas, we think of trees and we think of hot cocoa, but in Japan, they think of KFC. Did you know that? Yeah, back in the, uh, I think, 70s? No, 1974, uh, KFC did this big promotion because most uh, Japanese people are not Christians. So they did this big promotion to do, to, to do Christmas at KFC. Now, when Christmas comes around on December 25th, People all around Japan run to KFC and they get a bucket of chicken and they have this big Christmas combo thing that they offer. Crazy, right? All right, the next one is uh, this, this town, the Swedish town of Gabel, celebrates Christmas by, by placing a giant Yule goat in the middle of town square. And, but however, arsonists over the years have had this thing where they lit it on fire. Right, so now uh, it has become this tradition to actually the small town, they kind of look forward to the arsonist to let it on fire every year. And so it's become this tradition to build this temple and, and then light it on fire. But nobody knows who does it. The next one is uh, Christmas trees in the Ukraine are traditionally adorned by spiders and webs. Spiders and webs for Christmas. Yeah. But they, they are considered a symbol of good luck. As with every tradition, the habit comes... From a, uh, from a moralizing story, legend, habit, or legend has it that there was once a poor widow living with her children in a shack. One year, the family managed to obtain a Christmas tree, but had no money to decorate it. On Christmas morning, however, spiders spun webs in tiny uh, tenet bombs, and when the children's aw- children awoke, the tree appeared to have silver and gold in it. And so now it's this tradition in the Ukraine to adorn Christmas trees with spiders and webs see we we do we have traditions all around our country and all around the world we have these different traditions but sometimes our traditions are even just family traditions like a little girl uh, was asked her mom why does why do you cut off the ends of the roast before you cook it and so the little girl 
Her mom asked that, and she goes, you know what? That's a good question. Told her, well, you know what? I think it's because it lets the juices and the, or the seasoning and stuff go in there a little better. Allowing the, the meat to absorb the spices. So she goes, the mom says, well, why don't you ask your grandmother? Because I learned it from her. So she goes to the grandmother and says, Grandma, you know, why do you cut the meat ends off the meat? She goes, well, you know, I think because, the, you know, uh, the, the juices absorb and the spices similar, similar to the grandmother or the mother. Or the, and, and, the, and after all, you know, I learned this from Nana. So why don't you go ask Nana about this? So the little girl's you know, getting a little frustrated with the answers. And so she goes up to her great-grandmother and Nana and goes up to Nana and says, Nana, why do you cut the ends off the meat? before you cook it. She goes, well, that's simple, darling. It's because it didn't fit in my pan. Sometimes we get these traditions that start over the oddest little things. You know, generations go and we start this tradition. And, uh, you know, in my house, we have a tradition every, we have a Christmas, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, we put our Christmas tree up and we have a Christmas decorating party. And that's just what we do. And it's all finger foods and junk food. And, and we all have these traditions that start from all kinds of places. You know, but we do a lot of things in life, but we, we seldom ask why we do it. Like this little girl. We seldom ask why we do these traditions or where did it come from. We develop habits and traditions, and if we're not careful, we forget why we even Here at Covington Baptist Church, we're a group of people that want to be intentional, intentional about reaching out to the community. We want to be intentional for what we do. We want to be intentional to create a warm, safe, inviting uh, place where people can learn about God and, and can, can learn about Christ and what, it, what it's like to live a life with Christ. We want that to be. We want to be intentional in that. We want a place where, where the unchurched, the people that don't go to church can feel welcome and say, you know what, I don't know about this whole church thing, but I want to come and I want to find out about it. And I want them to come and feel welcome here. And be, be, you know, be, uh, when they leave, they're like, yeah, you know what? That, those, those folks were different. They were kind. They were loving. We want to be very intentional in trying new things. As you know, I am one to try new things. I am a, I'm a person that will try to do whatever it takes to reach the lost for Christ. Because that's what it's about. And most importantly, we're going to be a place where everyone is welcome, reaching out to new people, and a place where people will love to come. So those are some of the things about us. And now, now we might end up doing things differently. We might be trying new things, going out into the community and trying new things and, and, and getting out of our comfort zone. And, and we're going to do things. Sometimes people are going to think we're crazy for the things that we're going to do, and we are doing. And we're going to try doing crazy things to reach out to people and love them with the, and, and help them have a life-encountering change for Christ and, and a life-changing encounter with God. But not everything we do is going to be different. Not everything we do is going to be uh, crazy or different. There's some things as a church we're going to do that are similar to other churches. See, we, we might not do things the way everybody else does it in this community. We have a lot of churches that do exactly the same thing. We might try new things, but there are some things that are very important to us, and we will not change. Here at Covington Baptist Church, we make communion available at least once a quarter. And this is a time for us to reflect on Christ. And, and this is a very special thing. It includes this, this bread and this grape juice. And if you really want wine, you can imagine it's wine. But juice 
and bread. And, and this is something that we're going to celebrate. This morning, as we, as we go into this communion service, we've got to ask ourselves, why do we celebrate this? What is the point? What, what is communion? For those, some of you don't know what communion is. Some of you do. Some of you have been doing it the same way for years. So we find this commandment in, in the Gospels, but we also find it in Corinthians. So uh, we'll have it up on, the Bible, up on the screen, but also open up your Bibles if you want to follow along. First Corinthians 7, we'll be reading 23 through 26. And we'll start to answer that question, why do Christians do communion? So starting in verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. This is Paul talking. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he also took a cup, the cup, and said, This cup is the new covenant established by my blood. A new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father God, as we open up this word and we see what communion is about, open our hearts and our mind to your word and what you'd have us do. Reveal what we need, Lord. A relationship with you. Father God, thank you so much for the love that you bring to everybody here. And so we ask you to have the Holy Spirit here today and teach us what you'd have us learn. In Jesus' name, amen. So why do we do this communion? Why do, what, what is so important about communion? Well, first of all, it's not about the bread and the wine. It's not about the juice and the bread and the elements. It's about the body and blood of Christ. It's not about methods. It's not about how we doing it. It's about Jesus. And, and you hear me say this all the time. It's all about Jesus. Communion is not an obligation. It's not something that we have to do every quarter. It's not the, the, something that we have to do every day. It's something that it's a celebration. It's, a, it's something that we get to do. Jesus was broken for us so that we can be fixed by him. He gave himself relationship with God and it's all about Jesus it's not about a ritual it's not about reverence it's not about a person it's about Jesus Jesus is less concerned about the method of celebration and and how we do it he's more concerned about about the fact that we do it and do it with a pure heart He's more concerned about the brokenness. I've been preaching for the past few weeks. We preached on, or I spoke on this end of me. He's more concerned about your heart and your heart condition than anything else. We can take, we can take any kind of leavened bread and, 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 and any kind of juice. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter if it's GV brand. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's Welch's. It doesn't matter if it's diluted or pure. It doesn't matter. It's about the relationship with God. It could be crackers. It could be pita bread. It doesn't matter. It's not about those things. It's about who we celebrate. As often as we remember Jesus, we should celebrate Jesus. Every, as long as every time we think about him, we should be in, in thinking, praise be to God. Communion is important because it's a command to 
as a people, we tend to forget things. You know, I'm terrible at names. I, I try really hard to remember names. I, I say it over and over and over again when I meet people because I, I forget them. See, we, we forget things. Anybody relate to that where, where you're like, oh man, what was that guy's name? And you forget? Yeah. Or what? Man, I came to the store for toothpaste and something else and I can't remember what it is. And we forget. People tell me that if I don't put it in my phone or put it on my calendar, you can forget about it because I'm going to forget. See, we're a forgetful people. The Hebrews did it all through history. See, this is, communion is important because it's a command to remember. Remember Jesus. Jesus wants us to remember every time we taste bread and drink wine, and even when we sit at the tables at our own home. When you sit down at your table and you break bread with your family or you're even by yourself, you should thank God for what he did and who he is. And that he's the one that provides for every need. He gives us the physical food we need to survive and the spiritual nourishment we need to take the next step. Now that we've talked about the why, that's, that's why we do it, let's talk about the how. As we prepare for this table, as we prepare for communion, there's some things that we should do. There's some things that we should do in preparation for that. Some steps. You like steps, right? Easy to remember. Certain steps to do that are critical and crucial. We celebrate communion. And step number one is spiritual reflection. We need to remember what Christ did. We need to have spiritual reflection on, on who Jesus is. See, there's no possible way that we can celebrate communion without recognizing the sacrifice that Jesus did. We cannot celebrate communion without remembering what he did on the cross. See, before he came, uh, before he came to earth, he was up in heaven. He was praised by the angels. He was in heaven sitting on the throne. He was in heaven with with heaven in heaven i mean think about that heaven is the most beautiful thing in existence and he's sitting there but he came down to earth he gave up his position he gave up his where he was he gave up his power he said you know what i'm gonna even though i am god in the flesh i'm gonna live like a human i'm gonna sacrifice for my people Think about all, when we, when we think about this reflection, we've got to think about the suffering that he did. He came and he was uh, uh, abused and he was uh, treated horribly by people and he was persecuted and people were trying to kill him. Even his friends betrayed him on the last day. We've got to think about those things. We've got to think about what he did, the, the physical, brutal death of Jesus Christ. The personal abandonment. We have to think about the reason of his sacrifice. Why he came down in the first place. He came down for every single person here. Every single person he came down to save you so you can have a time for heaven. You can spend time and eternity with him. And he did that for you because he loved you. So those, we, we have to think about those things. In Romans 5.8, it says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this while he, we were yet sinners. He died for us. While we were sinners, he died for us. Christ suffered and died so that you can live a life of abundance and a life and a relationship with the Heavenly Father. So we start off with reflecting on Christ's sacrifice, but then we need to reflect on our personal life. 
We need to uh, ask the question, how has God transformed our life? We need to reflect back in the moment when we accepted Christ. We look back and we say, look, this is, this is how God has blessed me. This is how God has freed me from bondage. Bondage of addiction. Bondage of financial ruin. Bondage of loneliness. Whatever it is, God has freed me. And it's a time for us to reflect on what He did, but also on how He's working in your life. About times when, when He changed your life. Think about what your life would be like if you hadn't, if you don't have Christ in there. Think about life without Him for a moment. See, those are the things that we need to, we need to think about. How does Christ, and then we have to ask the question, how does, how does Christ need to continue to transform your life? When we reflect on this personally, say, God, you, you, know, you sacrificed, and look at what you've done, and, and here's this reflection in my life, and, 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 and how he's transformed my life. Or maybe you haven't gotten to that point. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus, and you need him, and so you've got to ask him, how is he going to transform my life? And you've got to go to him, and you say, Lord, I want you to transform my life. I need something different. Some of you have accepted Christ, but you've, you've allowed your spiritual life to get dull. And, and, and broken, and just say, you know what, I accepted you, but you know what, I'm not living for you. I'm not living a life for Christ. I'm living a life for myself. We all have areas that in our lives that need some adjustment. It doesn't matter where you're from or the walk of life you are or, or where you live. It doesn't matter. We all have some kind of adjustment that needs to be made. Whether, you know, whether your life is pretty good, maybe, maybe there's some arrogance that you need to work on, or maybe there's some, some selfishness that you need to work on, or maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're not humble, whatever it is. Or maybe there's some specific areas of your life that you need change and be transformed by the power of God. And when that happens, you need to go to Him and you just say, Lord, I need You. Think about your personal life for a moment and choose one or two areas that you could use some more of Christ's transforming power. So that was step one, spiritual reflection. Step two is spiritual release. Spiritual release. Your personal need for release. Every person comes to Christ with baggage. Every person has things that we carry into this relationship with, uh, with God with baggage. We have hurts and habits and hang-ups that we, we've had before we came to Christ, and we continue to have them after we have Christ sometimes. It takes time for God to work those things out in you. So everyone has some issues, an area that weighs them down, and, and they struggle. And some real examples are listed there. Some real examples are, are, are some cannot escape the pain of the past. They live in the past. They live in all these things that have happened in the past, and they're hurt by it. And because they're hurt by it, they can't let it go. And they can't forgive. Who cannot fully recover from the burden of a past guilt. Maybe something you've done in your life that you're ashamed of. And you, can't, and you hold on to that and you can't let it go. Some cannot break habitual sins. You've got something in your life that you just keep doing. And you know it's wrong and you know it's a sin. But you keep doing it. And you want to just can't. And you have a hard time. Maybe you have something like that. Maybe you cannot live up to the unrealistic spiritual expectations that are put on you by others. Or maybe you put them on yourself. Maybe you don't come to church that often because you think you're not worthy enough to be here. Put this high expectation on yourself. 
See, the barriers, there's barriers to spiritual growth. Lack of demand, which is no expectation to grow. Some people have no expectation to grow. They go, you know, I can't grow, I can't fix that, so I'll just go, go with the flow. Some people have no, a lack of desire. They, they don't see the reason to grow. They think they're okay. They're saved and that's good enough. Or some people don't even realize that they're, you know, they're not saved and they don't see the need. Maybe a lack of discipline. You know what? I'm too busy. I can't get up an extra 15 minutes to open up my Word of God, open up my Bible and read. I'm too busy to, to sit down at lunchtime for 30 minutes and open up my Bible and read or listen to an audio tape. Maybe a lack of determination. No ability to grow. Maybe they don't know how. See, Jesus, a relationship with Jesus offers you that release. See, he offers you a release because he's paid the price for the sin in your life. He's paid the price on the cross. And he's given you that release. He's given you that opportunity to be free. John, great verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Jesus' death, resurrection has set you free from everything that binds you and holds you back in life. He sets you free 100%. You have been given a pardon of the things of the past. You know, I was reading an article the other day. I think uh, Obama, you know, every president at the end of the terms, you know, uh, uh, pardons people. And I think he's up almost 900 people now. You know, and that pardon means that it's done. They're pardoned. They're no longer guilty of that crime. They're free from that. But Christ's pardon is so much greater than that. So much greater than a presidential pardon. See, Christ wants you to live abundantly. He doesn't want you to be in bondage anymore. He doesn't want you to live in prison. He wants you free. He wants you to have an abundant life. John 10.10 says, uh, thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come for you to have life, life abundantly. He wants you to have freedom and freedom in him. See, he offers you that release. He wants what's best for your life. So step one was spiritual reflection. Step two is that release. Going, figuring out what those things are and saying, God, I want to be freed with this. Step three is spiritual renewal. This is the best part. The desire of Christ to transform our life. He wants to transform you. And here's, an, here's what it says in Second Peter chapter 1. It'll be up on the screen. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. He has already, because of what he did, he, is, he will give you spiritual renewal. He will, he will help you. He will renew your spiritual life. He will give you the tremendous joy that you need. See, he's calling us to righteousness. He's calling us, uh, and basically righteousness is holiness. It's, it's living right by God. And he's called us to live that life. And if he called us to do that, then he's going to give us the ability to do that. Why would God give you, the, uh, say, hey, I want you to be righteous. I want you to live a holy life. But hey, you know what? You're going to have to do that on your own. 
that doesn't make any sense. God is not like that. He says, look, I want you to live a holy, holy life. I want you to live a righteous life. I want you to live a good life. But I give you the ability. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit into your life and He's going to help you and He's going to coach you and He's going to give you guilt when you're straying away and He's going to bless you when you're moving forward toward Him and He will give you that ability to live right by God. So you need to acknowledge this call of righteousness. You need to acknowledge this call that God wants for your life. He, you need to answer that call of righteousness. You need to, you know, when God calls you and convicts your heart and says, look, I, this, is, this is where I want you to go, you need to acknowledge that and accept it and, and act on those calls. See, the choice is yours. When God calls you to come into a relationship with him, the choice is yours. You're the that can choose for yourself. I wish every single person I meet, I could lead them to the Lord right then and there. I, that's my dream. I would love to be able to lead them to Christ. I wish every single person I meet, I share the gospel, they accept Christ, and it would be genuine. Because I love to see people's lives transformed by the power of the gospel. But it's up to them. It's not up to me. It's up to them. See, when God calls you and you feel that conviction, you're saying, you know what? I know I'm not living right by God. I know I need a better relationship with God. You know what? When he pulls on your heart and you know that he's there and you're wondering, you're thinking, you know what? You know, I feel this urge to come to Christ. You need to accept that call and the choice is yours. Nobody else can do it for you. It is a complete personal decision. Will you obey the call of Christ or will you stray? Will you, will you get that call? Will you go forward and say, yes, I will serve God. I will go forward. I want a relationship with God. Or will you say, you know what? That's all great, but I'm going to, I don't know about that. And stray away. Which one are you going to do? See, the, the results and the rewards, the results of straying is that the personal separation from relationship with God. When you stray, you don't have that relationship. When you're, even if you're a Christian and you walk away from God, you might be saved, meaning you get to go to heaven still, but your relationship isn't there. You, only when you're following God do you actually have that relationship. The, you'll get pain and suffering that comes from sinful behavior. When you stray away, you sin. And when you sin, guess what? You reap the consequences of that. There is consequences to sin. And you get that emptiness. When you're, when you're not with God, you get that emptiness that, that haunts the fabric of your being. That loneliness. That feeling that, that, you know what, there might be something greater, but I don't know what that is. And you just feel empty inside because of it. Now, the rewards. Now, this is the best part. The rewards is eternity in heaven. The rewards is being sitting there seeing Jesus every day for the rest of your life. You know, the other day we were talking about, I was talking to somebody about the banquet in heaven. And, and we're just daydreaming about the banquet being, you know, years and 10,000 years and 100,000 years. I mean, you know me, I like to eat. So I'm thinking the banquet sounds pretty good. But I, you know what's better than that banquet? Is the relationship with God. Being able to see Jesus every day. Being able to worship him. Thousands of angels being around him, singing the spiritual blessing 
The reward is a spiritual blessing of having a relationship with God, fellowshipping with God, knowing that he's there no matter what happens in your life. The good times, the bad times. The good times, he's cheering you on and you feel on top of the world. The bad times, he's, he's hugging you saying, it's okay, we'll get through this. One of the rewards is the power and presence and provision of Christ in our daily lives, having him right there. And the sacred privilege of being called a child of God. I'm proud to be a child of God. When somebody says, man, you're just a Bible thumper, thank you. Oh, you're one of them Christians, thank you. Amen. I am. I'm proud to be the son, child of God. As we come to this table, as we come, we're going to prepare for communion. And if ushers want to go ahead and start getting ready, we're going we're to prepare. But I have some questions, okay? I, want some, I, want, I have some questions for you to think about as we prepare for this. Now, one thing I want to, before we get into those questions, uh, I want to tell you that we ha- celebrate an open communion here. Which, and what that means is if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are welcome to the table with us. We don't care what church you belong to or if, if you're not involved in the church. If you accepted Jesus Christ in your life, you are born welcome to. It is your choice. But one of the questions we have, or I have for you is, have you adequately reflected on the death of Christ and his gift of grace in your life? The next question. Have you experienced the spiritual release and freedom in Christ that you need? And the last question. Do you have a need for spiritual renewal this morning? You must be ready to come to the table. And as you prepare for this table, I want you to think of these three things. Calm your spirit. Confess your sins to God. And commit your life to Him. So what we're going to do is, as we're doing things a little different, remember I told you in the beginning of the service, we're going to do things different. We're going to try new things. And we're going to experience things differently. And we are going to have communion this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to have the ushers come down in just a second. And they're going to hand out all the elements. Okay? All at once. During that time, we're going to have video and song playing real quiet. And this is a time for you. Can you go back to that last slide? This is a time for you to calm your spirit, confess your sin, commit your life this is the this is gonna be about 15 minutes total okay and this is for you to to take the elements whenever you're ready this is between you and god this isn't some ritual this isn't some tradition this is about you reflecting on the relationship with god so when you get the elements just calm your spirit think about these things and take them at your leisure okay all right let's have the ushers come up